Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. And on today's episode, my guest is Chris Ferg, co-founder and head distiller of the Durham Distillery located in Ontario, Canada. And today we're going to chat about the distillery and gin products, as well as Chris's path to becoming a distiller. Welcome, Chris. I'm super excited to learn about the Durham Distillery and, of course, all about your gins. Yes, Heather, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to kind of talk about what we do and how we do it and how we got here. Yes, but first, as with all episodes, we do start with our cocktail that we are drinking today. So I'm going to let you go first because you're my guest. So what gin cocktail are you drinking today? So today I'm drinking our London Calling Dry Gin mixed with some PC lemon sparkling water and then just a dash of Jack Kirby tonic syrup. Ooh, that sounds very refreshing and very lovely. Well, I'm actually having what I call a gin hard seltzer. You know, it's kind of my homemade version of uh, what you can now buy and lots of canned stuff. Mine's gin, grapefruit juice, a little bit of lemon juice, tiny splash of simple syrup and club soda with, of course, a little twist of grapefruit because I love the grapefruit. So very refreshing and yeah, very yummy. Okay, so let's talk about you first. What drew you to distilling as a career? My corporate career was in human resources and talent management. So working with organizations to identify, promote, develop talent. I had worked in retail almost my entire career, working for some pretty iconic Canadian retailers. And I just was kind of at a path where I wanted to change. I wanted to have more control over what I was doing. I wanted to be more creative. And I just kind of fell into distilling is the honest answer. Um, <laughs> you fell into distilling. <laughs> a... Yeah. Not one of the cheapest things to fall into no. in Canada. So I was watching a marathon of a show called Moonshiners, which for anybody yes. who hasn't seen it is off the Discovery Channel, about people who illegally make alcohol. And I just saw that and I thought, that'd be like, it seems like a lot of fun, like creating recipes, creating brands. I messaged a friend to say, hey, do you want to do this? Mike Deegan, who's the other co-founder, he said, hey, you want to jump off cliff and make some moonshine? And he's like, absolutely, I'm in. Luckily, like we both have, <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it was. Luckily, we have two very practical wives who are like, okay, we're not saying no, but we're saying figure this out first. Like there's no doing this and just hoping it works out. So figure out if you can do this. So we ended up partnering with Last Straw Distillery. They are out of Vaughan, Ontario, Don DeMonte and his son, Brandon, and their whole team there. And essentially, I spent three years every weekend, 16 hours a day, learning from the grain up how to distill, Wow! learning how to make whiskeys, how to make rums, how to make vodkas, how to make gins. February 2019, I left my corporate job and my wife and I were like, hey, it's time to jump off the cliff. At that time, Mike left the business because he didn't want to commit to it full time. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that he was upfront about it. I still bounce ideas off him and he's still part of kind of my creative collective that way. And then it took us until April 2020 to actually get all of our licenses. So over a year to get all our provincial and federal licenses. So, you know, for those of you who don't remember, and I'm sure everybody does, April 2020 was month two of the pandemic. Yes, so. <laughs> I do remember well. A lot of shit hit the fan that month. <laughs> yeah, so not a great month to finally kind of 
plant my flag and be out on my own. Right. So luckily the guys at Last Straw were great. And we're just like, just hang out here as long as you need, do whatever production you need here. And the nice thing about that relationship is while I was learning how to do this over the three years, I was able to start developing my brand, and my recipes. So that when I started the distillery and I got all the licensing, I wasn't having to start creating products from net new. We'd already done two products, our Wheat Kings Vodka, which is the first product I created, and then our Strawberry Fields Gin, which I do in partnership with a local college, Durham College. And then shortly after, developed uh, our Patio Lanterns and our London Colin Dry Gin. Okay. Wow, that's quite the journey. You're very blessed to have a distillery nearby to help you with that process because many distillers don't don't have you know that opportunity that's pretty awesome yeah what i found in the distilling community is every distiller is happy to help you try and figure out what the problem is but not so many are open with like here's how you create a flavor here's all the things you need to think about and that's where don was really much of a mentor to me to say and give me honest feedback when I'd give him flavors of gin and be like, hey, nope, that's not good. Like, here's what I don't like about it. And just doing that with many people. But I found overall the craft distiller community need to be very engaging and helpful of each other. And you have a problem, let me help you. I'm not going to tell you how to make what I make, but let me tell you, if your fermentation gets stuck or your mash gets stuck, you're not getting the yields you want. Like, they'll tell you things to look for, experiences they've had with yeast and enzymes and things. So I've had a great collaborative that way. That's awesome. That's really great. Okay. So what would you say, aside from getting licenses, because I know the licenses are challenges, like beyond challenges, but currently, what would you say is your biggest challenge as a distiller? For us right now in today's moment is the startup cost. So, you know, most people have put all the costs and equipment and everything up front before they ever get their license. Walking the path that I walked, I was able to utilize last straw and Don's equipment for those three years. And the selling equipment, as you can imagine, is not cheap. So, right. you know, we're looking at a $300,000 bill to buy all the equipment that we would want to buy. So we're looking at how do we raise funds for that, one, through sales and two, through other forms of investment. During the pandemic, I had three partners come on board as investors, but they also work in the business. So they helped me out. And behind me has kind of been our biggest headache, which was finding our space. At the start of the pandemic, industrial space went through the roof in terms of costs and through the floor in terms of availability. So it became really hard for us to find a location because we had such specific needs around water or more specifically like water evacuation and sewage and around power. So what we found during the pandemic is places were going sight unseen during the leasing period. So it would come on the market in the morning and by end of day, there'd be three offers because people were looking for that 2,000 to 3,000 square feet. And all of them probably didn't have the electrical or sewage requirements that we did. Luckily, my wife says I willed this. I don't think it happened. But four years ago, I picked a location out and said, if we could ever get that location, that would be my dream location when I started this in 2017. And today I sit in the former Ajax Volunteer Fire Hall in Pickering Village, which is that location that I said, if we could ever get it, it would be the dream location. One, because the building's just so cool. Like to be in right. a fire hall is just really awesome. And number two, it's a nine minute walk from my house. I live in Pickering Village. <laughs> right. Sweet. You got to be able to so, walk to work. That's awesome. Yeah. I have my dog here with me. He hangs out with me all day. And the space is kind of empty right now because we're, like, we're raising funds and ordering the equipment that we can't afford right now to, to start our production out of here. And that's where our relationship with Last Straw, again, has been very valuable. Is Over the last year, I've been able to produce and stockpile a bunch of spirits mm-hmm. so that when we moved here and we didn't have our equipment right away, we could still be satisfying our customers' needs. 
Right. Yeah. You can still be selling. Let's talk about your products. Now you mentioned a few of what they are, but let's start with your gins. Yeah. I know you have two gins. Tell me about your gins. The two gins we offer today are strawberry fields gin, which is our first one. And then our London calling dry gin. All of our spirits have a music uh, title associated with it. Mm. And part of the reason for that is when we thought about how do we enjoy spirits, it was usually listening to music with friends. Right. That kind of came out in our naming convention. And then because gin is British background, we went with British bands. So London Calling with The Clash and Strawberry Fields with The Beatles. Right. Strawberry Fields, as I mentioned, we do in partnership with Durham College. Their farming students grow all of the strawberries for us in their fields. My mother-in-law and I hand cut and dehydrate them all. We use that as the base for that spirit. It has a, a slight strawberry flavor to it. It's not overpowering. And the reason for that is that we don't use a syrup or a flavor added. This is actual strawberries. I always say we only use what the grain gives us or what the botanicals give us. We don't do any flavor additives to anything. So that was our first product. And a portion of all of our sales in that product goes back to the college as a bursary program. So we like to help fund the next generation of growers since they're helping us with the strawberries. Wow, that's awesome. That's great that you don't use any flavors or syrup. So is the strawberry fields, is it kind of pinky then? Pink color? Yeah, it has a slight pink tinge to it. And that's because we do a double dose of strawberry maceration. So in our first maceration... We use the juniper, the coriander, lemon peel, grapefruit peel, sweet orange peel, and the strawberries. Mm. Comes out a lovely green color that you would never want to see. <laughs> in the we distill it again to get it back to clear. And then we just put another same amount of strawberries as the first dose into the second dose. And then we just let it sit for four weeks. Wow. So technically it's an aged gin, even though it's only four weeks. It's not super yeah. aged, but because that's older than like most gin is like a week, you know, if that. Yeah, it's aged in a drum, so it's not barrel yeah. aged. So the, right, we've right, thought right. about take barrel, a new used barrel, and just throwing strawberries in and letting it sit for yeah. seven or eight months to see what happens. It's something we right. might do now that we have our own space, do a barrel aged strawberry fields. But yeah, so in total, our total production time is about six to eight weeks on strawberry fields from, okay. Okay. from when we start making the base to when we finally put it in the bottle. Okay, cool. And you make your own base too, correct? Like the mash, everything? Yeah. So for Strawberry Fields, we do. For our London Calling, we use the same base as our Patio Lanterns vodka, which we source uh, from another distillery who does it to our specifications. And the reason for that is just for us with bandwidth and working within Don's production schedule at Last Straw Distillery. They can do it cheaper than we could because they're constantly producing, but it's our recipe and our standards. Okay, so let's talk about London Calling. Yes, so that's what I'm drinking today, our London Calling Dry Gin. Yes. So our London Calling Dry Gin, as I mentioned, starts out as Patio Lanterns Vodka. And then we flavor it to be more like a traditional London-style dry gin. But I always call it kind of my take on a London dry gin. Mm. Because what I don't love about gins is when you get a pine flavor all throughout from the juniper. Oh, yeah, that's too strong. That's like grandmother's gin, right? That's old school. Yeah, so I really wanted to figure out how to really kind of tone that down. It needs to be there. You need to taste it, but you don't need to have it throughout your sip. So I found there's a whole mix of botanicals in it that you can find on our website. But specifically, we use chamomile, lemon, vervainia, and angelica mm. root in it. And what I find those three really do is they really settle down that juniper flavor. Yeah. And they really soften it out so that you get the juniper up front and then it goes away and you can get all the other botanicals coming through. Oh, sounds lovely. I can't wait to try it. I wish you would sell it on PEI. But we, can. we ship across Canada. Oh, 
Okay, there we go, everybody. They ship across Canada, so you can get some for yourself. Okay, so I know you have other products, so let's might as well touch on that. Let's talk about your vodka and anything else you want to share about products. Yeah, so we like have that? two vodka products. The first is our Wheat Kings vodka, mm-hmm. and Wheat Kings is made from malted winter wheat. And, and what the malting process does is just brings out new sugars in the grain after it's been harvested. And in this case, those sugars end up really tasting like caramel and vanilla. Mm. so it it creates this really unique taste that when it actually comes off the still i think is too strong for what you want in a vodka so i put it through a charcoal filtration system six times and what that charcoal does is it brings the flavor way down but also really smooths it out now biasly i would say that it's one of the smoothest vodkas on the market wow Uh, and it was the first product we ever created and this was kind of the proof of concept for our wives to say Hey, can you guys actually make something worth drinking? Right. And do your so, wives drink it? My wife does. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about Mike's wife. I think they're on a drinking break right now. Last uh, time I talked to them. Okay. But yeah, and, and because of that vanilla caramel finish, it really makes a great martini or a great kind of standalone. And then I've had a couple of customers tell me it goes great in a black brushing because you want that caramel vanilla flavor in it. Very true. Um, t- from every bottle for that product goes to the Gord Downey Fund for Brain Cancer Research. Mm. We don't have any affiliation with the Tragically Hip, but when we created the product, we were aiming for a Grey Goose type, and Grey Goose is wheat-based. So the fact that we made something that we thought was better, and we're Canadian males in our 40s and grew up with the Tragically (laughs) Hip, we wanted to pay homage to the Tragically Hip. Yeah, so... Wheat Kings. Wheat Kings Vodka is how we ended up naming it. And then we just, at the time, Gord had just passed. So we wanted to pay respect and homage to kind of the role he played in our lives and growing up. So we thought, you know, in perpetuity, we'll donate $2 from every bottle sold of that product. That's awesome. I love how every one of your products gives back in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part being the Durham distillery and being the only distillery in Durham region. We were two guys who grew up in the region, left for school, came back and just really loved Durham region, the whole parts of it and how varied it is. And we wanted to give back because it was just important to us to do that. And we felt it was important to do it at the start of the business because we have found a lot of businesses try to figure out how to do it after the fact, which is the right thing to do. Anytime you can start giving us the right time, but we wanted to build it into our business model and never have to figure out, oh, now $2 per bottle is coming off of our profit. How do we account for that? We just decided if we could account for it from the get-go, it just becomes part of our practice. Absolutely. And that's super smart, right? Like, as you said, many people try to do it after the fact and it's much harder because then you're really noticing the hit on your bottom line versus now it's part of your bottom line. So that's pretty brilliant. So kudos to you guys for that. Okay. So what's next for you and the distillery? Obviously you have your space, so you're in a fundraising mode. Anything else? New products? New, you know? Yeah. We'll have our first whiskey release in the new year. It's a product I laid down when I was working at Don's and just kind of learning all this. We ended up with an interesting mix of wheat, rye, and corn and malted corn. And we thought, hey, let's just throw this in a barrel for three years and see what happens. Mm. So it's been aging now for three and a half years. So I think after Christmas, we're going to dump it and release it. We're still working on the name for it. We're either thinking it's going to be 500 miles whiskey or one hit wonder whiskey. Um, (laughs) Well, after you taste it, you'll decide. Yeah. So 500 miles, you know, the Proclaimer song. To me, it speaks to the journey. for those of you who don't know how hard it is to open a distillery in Canada and Ontario, it's very hard. So, you know, that's the first 500 miles. Yep. 
And then the second 500 miles is waiting the required three years in Canada to call Canadian whiskey. Absolutely. Uh, it's a journey for sure. Or one hit wonder, because again, we'll never duplicate this recipe again. It was just one I did while I was apprenticing and some of it was happy accident. So I don't know that we could duplicate some of the mistakes we made that make it taste so good. Right. So we're just going to release this one. And then in April of 2022, we're going to release our bourbon style whiskey, which was very intentional in our fourth time doing the recipe. But this is the first time we've let it age three years to be able to officially call it a Canadian whiskey. Right. Wow. Mm. And then as part of our fire hall and in our tradition of getting back, we're starting a new line called Firehouse Spirits Company, which will focus on moonshines and some other kind of one-off products. And a portion of all those sales, we're going to donate to first responders charities throughout the region. Wow. So you must have like a charity manager or somebody just to know who gets what and who gets paid when. And oh my gosh, that must be like a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but it's worth it. But for us too, it's just about, I mean, we just run the numbers. So the last time we did a donation was X. How many bottles have we sold since X? Okay, yeah. well then it's Y times two yeah. or Y times five. And yeah. Through the holiday season, our patio lanterns, vodka, and our London calling dry gin are available in our gift packs, which we call the Making Spirits Bright gift box. $5 from every of those boxes goes to Feed the Need in Durham, which is kind of a centralized location for food banks in Durham region. Wow. You guys are like fabulous at that giving back that I don't see that. I mean, I interview a lot of distilleries and while a lot do give back maybe to one charity here or there, you guys are like hardcore at the top end, definitely of being involved with a variety of charities and a variety of causes. So that's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So here's the fun part at the end of every episode, we have a gincident story or a fun story. And I'm willing to bet you have a few hidden within you. So what's a fun gincident story you'd like to share with our listeners today? The last few nights I've been kind of bouncing ideas off my wife and she's like, no, don't tell that one. Don't tell that one. No, <laughs> those are the ones we one. probably really want to know. <laughs> no, no, those are the ones for my misspent youth going to school in Kingston, Ontario, and, and yes. just enjoying the bar scene there for three years. So I'd say I've been lucky that I've never had an incident where I've woken up the next morning and been like, I'm never doing that again. Or I can't believe I drank that much. I'm never drinking that drink again. I often hear from customers who come by at the farmer markets we worked this summer. Like, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm really excited, but I can't drink gin when I was 19. I just had a really bad experience. Oh, I hear that all the time too. And that was with one old nasty gin. It's not with the current craft gins. I always tell them, try a new gin. Yeah, for sure. And I say to people all the time, if you drink my gin and you don't like it, your takeaway should be, you don't like what I'm doing. Not that you don't like craft gin. Go try the other people out there because everybody's doing something different and everybody has their own take on it. I'd say kind of like the worst gin that I'm willing to share out in the public. (laughs) It's just, just drinking gin that's like so bad that you just, no matter how much mix you put into it, you can still taste it. Like I actually like the taste of gin. Like I love all so the botanicals and all the the nuances and the flavor profiles. But I have had gin that I had to throw out. <laughs> I just couldn't drink it no matter what yeah. I did. And I'm sure somebody out there really likes it because it's in production. But uh, I hear you on that because 
sometimes even just the smell of it, like whatever botanicals they've used, it makes a bizarre combination. And then there's also some new gins out there that I don't even know if you can really call them gins. I think they're called like a gin beverage or something where they're like, there was one I saw like s'mores gin. It was like sugary. Like to me, that's not gin. So I completely agree with you on that. I would never buy that stuff. Anything else you'd like to share about your distillery, your products, anything at all? As we kind of get our space open here, we'd love to start seeing more people come in for tours. We open to the public. We hope to have this open our production area and our retail store open early 2022. So we're open uh, January, March. So when you're in the Durham region area, look us up, come by. We're a hop, skip and a jump from the new Pickering Casino and Resort. So if you're going there for a family vacation, you know, attack on, go on five minutes from there and come visit us. Absolutely. That would be awesome. I love visiting distilleries, as you can probably imagine. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) That's what we do. When we go on vacations, we actually just plan our vacations around distillery tours. So that's... My wife's not there yet. She's let me go to Kentucky once with a buddy just to purely do four days of distillery tours. But Mm -hmm. when we travel, it'll be like, okay, what distillery is within a 45 minute drive of where we're staying that I can reasonably go to without getting in trouble. That Hijacking part of the family vacation. She'll come on board slowly. Don't you worry. No, she is for sure. One of my biggest supporters and she's fully on board. No, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Well, you know, There you have it, everybody. Everything you wanted to learn about the Durham Distillery and Chris and his journey anyway to having a distillery. And that, you know, it's not always easy, but it's worth it in the end. Right, Chris? It's absolutely worth it. Yeah. And thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. Thank you so much as well. I appreciate getting in and being able to spread the gospel about us. Yeah, absolutely. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Durham Distillery and the ginshop.ca for all your gintastic clothing and gin novelty needs. Until next time, remember, gin, because you don't win friends with salad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspire. Brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, drop us a note. Heather at the ginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin. <laughs>